multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Tonight, it's interview time again, as ass-kicker, stuntman, actor, and close pals with the late Walter Heisenberg-White himself, Tate Fletcher, joins us for a fascinating conversation, including how he turned his failures into allies, buying food from farmers instead of the Cisco truck, ending when dinging economics, learning to embrace the struggle, and exploring the notion that everyone does better when everyone does better. And now... Asking that you and your friends and neighbors band together to replace every member of the House of Representatives, I am Rich Evers, and my partner in crime, teacher, fighter, author, poet, and all-around swell guy with a fantastic accent, Daniele Bolelli. Away we go. Welcome back, everybody. Episode 35 of the Drunken Taoist Podcast, available now to your listening ears. Welcome back, everybody. An awesome interview today with our new best friend, Tate Fletcher. But before we get to that, Mr. Daniele Bolelli. Let's roll. Let's get to Tate's interview. Re- interview is also a big word because it's not like we really ask questions. It's our usual uh, we discussion, said hello and off it chat, went. Uh, and fun, and we just feed off each other's sentences and all of that stuff. So now this is a good one. One of my favorites. But without further ado, let's say thank you to the people who make make sure that the light stays on and all the good stuff. So. That's Usara, the greatest hemp gear out there. Computer bags, backpacks, all sort of hemp-related products. We love them. We use them all the time. So we're thrilled that he's one of our sponsors from day one. So well, check out That's Usara. All of our sponsors, as usual, check out the episode notes because you'll find direct links to their products and you'll find discount codes. The way you can sample some of this stuff for a cheaper price. I was going to brag that my Datusera bag is uh, one year in <clears throat> to its awesome voyages of dragging all our equipment around, and it looks untouched, man. Those micro ninjas—they do quite the job of protecting it. I'm curious how the micro ninjas are going to handle the latest threat because as we were talking to Tate earlier, because we record the intro after we're done with everything. Uh, as we were talking to him, I saw right behind him this gigantic spider dangling oh. from the ceiling and heading straight for your Datsusara bag. So I want to see what happens if Micro Ninjas, if there are like they left behind uh, spider corpses or what happened. But I think they're friends. As long as it's not a brown recluse or a, or a black widow, I think it'll be all right. Awesome. Big. It was really hard to focus, in fact, at one point, because I was talking to Tate, he was right above his head in the line of vision, not literally above his head, but it was like maybe five feet behind, but on that line. So I was looking at him, I'm like, what the hell is that spider? It's funny. In any case. <laughs> yes, that's Usara. Uh, equal thanks to Onnit for, you know, those guys are amazing supplements, workout products, foods, whole bunch of different arrays of things you can um, that may interest you from alpha brain to some of the home workout gear to the zombie bells to there's a lot of goodies right there so explore the website have fun and it also has a great policy in terms of uh, money back no questions asked so you can try things out if you like it 
And also, last but not least, thank you to Shore Design for uh, their ongoing support. And, you know, they make, in addition to providing us with our T-shirts for the podcast, they also have some great products there from T-shirts to yoga pants to dresses, a lot of great stuff brought to you straight out of Thailand. I hear a nasty rumor that there's a fancy new Drunken Taoist T-shirt that'll be on the presses before we know it. Yeah, there's actually two different things one is the old t-shirt you know the old design but it's now made in short design material so it has less of the standard american cut that we were having before and is a short design version of it and then there's going to be the new design which is as wild as it gets it involves a whole dionysian parade and i heard that you show up in there at somewhere and uh, <clears throat> topless as usual yes there's along with friedrich nietzsche eq tom robbins duncan trussell Yours truly, uh, Buddha, Savannah M, Ganesh, Shiva, the god Dionysus, the god Pan, and a few, um, the female followers of Dionysus, and I think I covered them all. So yeah, it's the busy t-shirt. It's not a, it's a Dionysus plays a Where's Waldo kind of t-shirt. <laughs> but <clears throat> on that note... <laughs> Everybody, enough of this talking about these uh, possibility of new t-shirts. Mr. Bellelli has some exciting news for you on the t-shirt front, and here it is. T-shirts are ready for pre-order. We are officially taking pre-orders, two colors, light gray and some color that if you can figure out what what it's called, we'll reward you with nothing really, with our never-ending tanks. But orange round, brown, orange, brown, brown. Yeah, something. In any case, it's cool. it looks great. So I'll put. Uh, hopefully, we'll have a link ready by the time this episode is going on, which is in the next few days. So I'll find a way to put a link in the episode notes to the pictures, and you guys can shoot me a message, let me know if you are interested in pre-ordering. I'm probably we're taking pre-orders for about a month. Then we'll order them. So I would say within two months, we'll have them in your home. And man, those are some... I can't wait to have them in my hands. Those are good ones. We now return you to your regularly scheduled podcasting. Yes. Anything else we need to touch on before we roll? No, this is an awesome long interview, and I think you're going to enjoy it. Yes. Uh, We'll talk to you at the end of it all again. daughter's wedding to tell you that you guys have to be real good people and always listen to the drunken Taoist podcast because if you don't you may wake up one day with a horse's head in your bed or Luca Brassi may be coming your way making you an offer you can refuse so Don't make me hungry, my friends. Just listen to the man here. 
And today, speaking of men, we got a real manly man in Tate Fletcher. I got to go back to my daughter's wedding. But you guys have a good episode. Thank you, Godfather. We really appreciate your efforts here. So. Really glad he stopped in. Yeah, yeah so. it's a treat. Sweet. How gracious. I mean, on, on his daughter's wedding day. Yeah, I mean, that's lovable, really. I, I'll always, if you ever need a favor, Godfather, you can count on me. I'll be there for you. Yeah, yeah, that's a complex guy. Yeah, definitely. You know, that day may never come, but, right. you know, it's... and. I'll never ask twice. Yeah, that's yeah. You don't want to. That's the part where you don't want to take chances. There, yes. It's great having you here, man. And um, it's good to be here, you guys. Thank you. Your journey is an interesting one, to say the least. You know, usually with a lot of guests, we start jumping on random topics right away. But I mean, your whole life stories. I am sure you know by now. You they ask you seventy million times, but for us, it's a first. So just go, looking at your life, it's stripping me out. So let's start with one of the obvious funny things. From classical literature to MMA, please right. do tell how that came to be. Mm, uh, yeah, it's a trip. I, I never, I, I don't know. I, I remember when I first started looking at like my life kind of retrospectively and, and um, I was, there was a lot of amazing things that were happening, but it was just my life. And like, I didn't know they were amazing because I was involved in them and I didn't really look at it objectively. And then I talked to friends of mine from home. They're like, holy fuck, man, you're traveling all around. You're bodyguarding these guys. And like, I just saw you fight on TV last week. Like, and and I was like, wow, you know, I guess that it's like remarkable in 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 that way, you know. And um, yeah, for me, I, I went. I, I don't know. I'd always, I guess, to go back to the question, I'd always um, kind of escaped in books and in mythology and and looking at that. That was the first kind of thing that I I looked at when I was a little kid. Um, was a lot of that kind of stuff. And then I got an opportunity to go to a, a program at St. John's College in Santa Fe, New Mexico. It took me from Michigan to New Mexico. Um, and it was all a set curriculum and it was all classical literature from Western civilizations, basically. And it was building blocks of music mm -hmm. and of language and of art. And, and it kind of took you from that time into the modern, um, into the modern world nice. in four years, ostensibly, you know? Wow. And so there's a lot, it's just packed in and it's a community unto itself up in the mountains of, of Santa Fe and it's gorgeous and it's a fantastic, uh, program and all that. I went. Uh, I almost finished the first year there. Um, what happened? I ended up, uh, I ended up getting arrested during. I guess it was after. It was like around a spring break time, I guess, something mm -hmm. like that. And um, I'd had a kind of a colored history, and I'd done a bunch of robberies, and like just as a kid, I grew up kind. Of, you know, we we just do stuff. We do little B and E's, and we do. And we'd sell dope to these bikers, and they'd trade us guns, and they like all like it was just a it was right. just kind of we were just getting by in this little small town, and and um, what all classical literature majors do yeah, on their spare yeah, time, yeah, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so I was with a guy, and he 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 uh, he robbed a bank, and and um, so we get arrested, and and I, I wasn't in the bank, um, I, but it was my gun, and it was my car, and and right. I was at the hotel, and we so we got picked up when they came, and and. Uh, and that that ended my schooling, really. But what it prompted was a whole other part of life that I was unaware of up to that time. And and I, you know, it, it'll shake you in a way that you kind of 
consequently look at things in a way where it kind of broadens you and you go, is this, I, I remember I was shooting dope with a guy, I was like 19 years old and he was like 40 and, um, and I thought, this is your life. If nothing changes in 20 years, this is your life. Right. What this guy's life is. And his life wasn't awesome no. by any stretch. And it was okay doing what I was doing when I'm doing it. But I could just see that it was Groundhog Day that I was living in. And so after a while, you know, I just, I really, I mean, and I had to go way deep into a negative path, I think, to like, to, to find any kind of um, alternative for myself. Mm -hmm. And so looking to that and, and a lot of great people sprung up and really, um, helped to prompt me and 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 uh, guided me in changing my life, and so my life got really different after that. And I started working with a lot of kids and a lot of like last chance kids, and and um, and a whole different aspect of my life kind of sprung up. And then out of that, I met a guy named Arlen Sanford, who was because uh, I was looking for something physical, and and I'd walked into a couple places before, like throughout the years and, and I wasn't trained I mean I, I smoked a pack and a half of cigarettes a day right. like I said I'd do hair on I would fucking drink every day since I was 16 I was like I, I wasn't the epitome of health or, or like a, <laughs> uh, you know here's a I was an animal but right. like that was the only scary thing about me it's not as if I was trained or I had any kind sure. of um, how did a football coach let you slip past I, I beat a guy up once in class and I had to uh, play for a year but I fucking hated it I, like because I hated those guys like no right, offense right. to you football guys but um it was like that whole sense of fraternity and all that kind of thing, and I really I didn't fit into it, and I, I had I had a different uh, set of ethics. It seemed like than that, and, and just humor wise and and everything, it was like stuff that they were finding funny. I was finding sometimes reprehensible, and and like I I just wasn't into it, and so I did I did play for a season to stop from um, getting suspended from school, but that was my my only uh, foray into those mm -hmm. kinds of sports. I played hockey since I was a little kid. And um, that was just a blast. And then, you know, there's a, we never played really, We I played competitively till I was about 12. And then after that, it was just like, there's a group of guys we called the Stoner League and we just all got together <laughs> and we would rage on the weekends. And it was awesome. And up in Northern Michigan, we'd, we'd go and you'd, if, if guys were rich, they'd have like a snowmobile. And right. they'd, they'd, I mean, even people that weren't rich, but if you had extra money, you had a snowmobile, you could pack all the snow down in the backyard. And we'd do that and then stand out there with a hose and now if you weren't, what we did most of the time is somebody would stand on a scoop shovel and you'd drag it and they'd jump on it and you'd tamp all the snow right. down. And then you would spray it all down and you would ice it and you'd try to get it level. You would ice it multiple times a day and it would freeze and you'd build ice rinks in your backyard. And so we, we played all the time whenever we could. And um, it was a blast. It was it was great. So that was, that was, that was it really for uh, sports-wise for me. And there was... You know, like my friend Isaac, uh, Isaac Valley Flag, he fights in Atlanta, I think this weekend maybe. But he's a he's a UFC guy now. But, like, I remember when he first came out here to Eddie Bravo's and he trained with me a little bit at Legends. And he goes, and Eddie's like, God damn, you're a wrestler or, or what? And Isaac's like, no, man, I just smoked crack ever since I was 15. Like, <laughs> you know, he's the old base head. And, and then and he gets cleaned up and then his whole life opens up, you know, into a whole different way. I don't know if Eddie wants me saying that on the Internet, but it's too late. That shit's out there, Isaac. I'm sorry. Um <laughs> But uh, yeah, it kind of it kind of went like that for me, and so I started looking for something physical to do. I'd go into all these old like, I went into a kung fu joint one time, and then I went into an aikido place, and I thought, 
thought, man, anybody off the street would whoop y'all. Right. Like, like all these guys. And there was a lot of palaver and there was a lot of like flash but no substance, you know, like you were speaking about earlier. And, and um, if I if I showed you what I really knew, it would kill you type shit. And <laughs> I love that. That's you know what I mean? It's the, so good. Yeah. yeah, so you can't question anything because, you know, well, fuck, I don't want this guy to get a murder charge right. on me, you know? Um, I remember, though, a funny story about Charlie Murphy who was talking about that and I was sitting. That's off track, boy. Hey, okay, there so, is no such a thing. So, as so, track, so yeah. it, the, the, anyway, I, I found this guy Arlen Sanford in, in Santa Fe, and he was the toughest guy I'd ever met in my life. And he was a founding member of a group called the Dog Brothers. Yep. And um, and then he he had a chapter of his own in Santa Fe called Stray Dogs. And so we fought all the time, and and I, I started doing stick fights, like full contact stick fights with him, and that was fantastic, man. And my head was freed, and and then I started doing jujitsu at that time, about '99, I guess. Um, because fights were going to the ground then. And then I started competing there because there was a lot of competition. And I was like, and it was the first time I was like, man, you're, you're, you're an athlete. Like, you right. in, intend this. And this is what happened, you know? And, and so then I really got in um, a whole different mindset about, like, I want to be attuned to excellence and performance. And I want to go, how can I cultivate myself right. into being a better man than I was yesterday? And, and that was the first time I really started thinking about those things because I saw a lot of guys that were, that were clean and sober and that had had some some big upheavals that had changed their lives but uh i wasn't impressed with their lives mm -hmm. and, and i was like i don't want to be like at a certain point like if i just didn't have to drink and i didn't, like because that, that, that's where like a, a lot of things took me you know i was, i, I uh, got into a, a pretty bad spot with it and i was like if I, if I don't have to worry about my mom crying about where i am or you know is tate dead or in prison when the phone rings late at night or something like that that's a win that that's good man right um but for me to stay engaged, I had to have something beyond that. So I started looking towards these other things, and I go, I want to be the best human that I can be. And, and a dude really exhorted me to do that, and, and he'd said, you know, because I, I said, I owe you, you know. I feel like I owe you a huge debt. Like a guy, he sat with me, he'd take me in his home, he um, fed me. He was fucking fantastic, man. That was when I was just out of prison. And... Uh, and his family was there, and, like, he knew my background. There's no reason that he should have me in his home, and, and he... Um, I said, man, I would just want to acknowledge I've got a debt to you. You know, I owe mm -hmm. you, and I feel that, you know. And he says, you don't owe me anything, Tate. He says, but you owe, and you're going to have to pay for the rest of your life, and you're going to have to get as well as you can so that you can be as helpful and the best representation of humanity that you can do so you can help the guy coming behind you. Right. And that's maybe the only thing that I've tried to hold on to since then, you know. And, um, and, and I try to honor his words and the words of guys like him, you know. So... That that's uh, like a, a, a the short end, I guess, of of how did I get to be fighting through that, and and then I just got lucky, man. I met I met one guy, I met the next guy, then I you know I'm from Arlen, I met, um, I, I fought for a, a Gracie Baja school, Taz, a purple belt, I guess, um, and uh, and after I'd medaled in the in the worlds in the Pan Ams that year, I I met Eddie Bravo and and. Uh, and before then, I'd met Greg Jackson, and I was trained with him. I did my first uh, MMA fights out of New Mexico, all under that flag. And then I, I'd just always go back there for camps. And so that's where, you know, Keith and I, uh, Jardine, started our, uh, our, our friendship started way back in the early 2000s, I guess. And then it just went from there, you know. Right. And uh, one thing went to the next, and I, I couldn't. I was talking to a friend the other day, and I was going, "Man, how how uh, how's your new year or whatever?" And, and 
He goes, dude, it just couldn't be any better. He says, I couldn't. I, I mean, I, I guess it could if I really got creative, but I don't. I don't know how. You know, I'm, I'm, my family's great. Everything's good. You know, and um, and that and that's kind of the way. Is like, is like all the things that I wish had worked out that didn't work out. If they'd have fucking worked out, I wouldn't be where I stand right now. Right. Isn't that amazing? And 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 and, and I'm so satisfied and so appreciative and and touched by the place where I get to stand today. That that how fortunate it is that sometimes what I thought were my biggest misfortunes mm -hmm. or failures turned into my greatest allies later as it, as it played out, you know? Yeah. Just paying your dues. and uh, what, what do you think that 19-year-old version of yourself would think of how things Crazy. turned out? Would he have had any inkling that any of that was possible? Not a clue. I had no idea. You know, sometimes no. I'll go into high schools and I'll speak and stuff, and I go, you know, like I, I don't give a fuck if you jump in front of a bus, you know? Like, wh whatever you do, I'm not trying to... Uh, change anybody or alter their course if they don't want it done. Like whatever, like whatever anybody wants to do. Like I have got, I've got no qualms. Life's hard. If you got to right. drink a bottle of Jack Daniels and take a handful of pills to get through the day, I fucking get it. Like yep. I understand. But the thing is, is if if that doesn't if that doesn't put a, a balm and a salve on your heart anymore, and you feel like your soul is broken and you have to do that, and there's an emptiness in you that you cannot recover. There's a whole other way to live, and right. if and if that's something that you want that bad, that like that's all I'm there for is just to go, you know, that's a possibility. A mm -hmm. friend of mine told me one time he goes, you know, you like to fucking run in burning buildings and shit and pull people out, Tate. You like you go in these dark fucking places and all that. He says uh, you got to cut it out. He says because there's no money in it. He's like <laughs> he's like the thing is like 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 there's no fruit in it. You know, right. is what he means is like there's no. He says you go in there and those people aren't ready. They're resistant. They're this. They're that. You don't know. He says what you need to do is, is stand underneath the, the the light pole, and let that light shine on you and go and, and then just be a bastion for that. Like that you can stand in the light and those right. people when they're ready they'll come out to that because right. people don't even think it's possible to stand in the fucking light no. and it's hard to sometimes because mm -hmm. everybody every, and that's the thing about like these podcasts and about whatever and every, it's like there's an authenticity to that that when you're standing in the fucking light you can't hide right. there's something real comfortable about hiding in the shadows and I've done it for years and mm -hmm. sometimes I don't want to get out of bed still but that thing about being in the light you know and, and dude tells me he says I just need you to try Tate every day I need you to get up and try and um and and that and that so that that seems to be it you know like what like certainly not on a, a bandwagon for this or that or the other thing except like if you want a better life there's better ways and and I've fallen down a lot and like I said gone down a lot of negative paths to get to them and and uh and I, what I'm interested in is a movement towards, right. towards that end and and that's the beautiful thing about the internet about these podcasts and about all that is that you get to sit with people you never even my old coach like I got I did a podcast with Greg Jackson. And I was like, I would have never sat with him again for two hours and have a conversation right. with him. It just wouldn't come up. If we, if it would come up over dinner, I'd right. be with him and a bunch of people. It wouldn't be the same. But like these kinds of things that you can go and you're, you're like, mm -hmm. I'm blessed enough to know remarkable people, and then you get to meet more remarkable people, and you go, fuck, everybody's got a bit of a remarkable person in them. You yes. know what I mean? And that's fantastic. Right. And once you do that, you pull the covers off of that aloneness and that separation, which. Mm -hmm is so pervasive like whether whether it's in prisons and it's like white black or mexican or whether it's republican or democrat or what right. like all these schisms that are all around you know mm -hmm. of of like nationalism for a better term you know uh, it's everywhere right and it's like it doesn't really exist like yep. that's all an illusion right and yep. so that that's the thing that I, I appreciate these things for you know yeah because when you consider the magnitude of real problems in life are 
the all the bullshit things that we got lost in the division based on nationality, skin color, some random political ideology that you may not even fully fit in, but right. you feel the need to represent or some shit. It's like it's adding needless drama and not really addressing what the real stuff about life is, the real issues. There is some really big scary shit out there that yeah. everybody has to deal with. Why you got lost in this petty drama? That just yeah. that just has nothing to do with anything, you know. It, it really doesn't. It's amazing, like that, and it's like a it's it's a distraction or a diversion, right, from right. what it is, you know. Yep. I mean, purposely when, rendered, don't you think? Oh, I, I would say, yeah, you know, I would say for certain. Yeah, I mean, when you look at things and you go, there's a wholesale pollution, and um, yep. I mean, things go extinct, like all that shit. Like since we're, I'm a little kid, you look at stuff and you're like, oh, nobody wants anything to go extinct. And it's like some shit's got to die. I don't know. But the other thing is, is the way that we are just brashly going about destroying our planet is crazy. And we look yeah. at like a duck that's soaked in oil or whatever, and we see that on TV and... There's like a disassociation that I feel, and I go, yep. oh, well, that's not me, you know, or whatever. It's not, not there's ducks outside my house that don't look like that, or, or whatever, yep. but, or like the shit in the Gulf, or like the Fukushima, whatever the sure. truth is about that, you know, it's not good for all the, I, yeah. my sister sends me all these things, and she's like, because she lives in Alaska, and she's like, her life depends on the water being clean, you know? Right. And she's like, no, that shit's not real, Tate. Here's some other links, here's some other links, and, and, uh, and she does it because she's scared, but it's of like, course. You can't tell me that there's a huge thing that was, I don't know if it's 30 times what Chernobyl was, that went off and fell into the water that has no effect. They're saying it right. has a zero-sum effect. Like That seems yeah. a bit far-fetched. I'm not a scientist, right. but it doesn't seem like that could be true. Yeah. No. You know? And yeah. so when we look at those things and I go, oh, it's not me yet or whatever, or, or when I go, well, maybe I'll leave California and I'll go live on North Carolina because that's the other side of the country. All that is is way lane, the yeah, problem. Exactly. And the thing is, is that there's not a separation between me and that duck covered in oil. Yep. That thing is me. Like if that is my food and that mm -hmm. is my community and that, that dirty water that I'm standing at the edge of some water with and, you know, you see somebody and they've got their little kid there and their little kid is like, when was it safe to go in the water? Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. It's like right now yep. if I go surfing in the fucking ocean out here, I wear a wetsuit, yep. not just not just because it's cold. No, it's, you want to keep that water off your skin as much as you can because it's poisonous. People get sick all the time. I know. Talk about a crime because you know when you look at the beaches out here, it's so amazing. So the ocean amazing. is so beautiful. It's just this is heaven. Yeah, and yet it's so insanely polluted um, that yeah, you think three times before you put your feet in the water yeah. for sure. Oh, well, and then you say it's contrived like this. This. The, these diversions it's like of course it's like that's the thing about i, I don't know fukushima before it all happened and uh, like i said i don't know anything about it except what mm -hmm. i do know is that i don't know if it's the third biggest fault line something like that it's one of the biggest fault lines in the world is right where that nuclear reactor and like four others are built well, we've got we've got one in uh outside of moro bay yeah there's and, two reactors that are hidden by mountains and the, that are on a fault line the thing is is that there's a group of guys that are wicked smart that all went to Ivy League schools that are all sitting in a room. They go, yeah, that's a good idea. Like there's a bunch of people that agreed on that. And then there's a bunch of government people that are supposed to have like EPA standards and all that shit. There's all these watchdog right. groups that are supposed to be. Then they go, yeah, yeah, we'll sign off on that. Like that seems like yeah. like wow that's crazy like I mean like I said right. I almost need to have Velcro shoes I can barely right. tie these suckers but I know that that sounds crazy yeah like, no but something is off right because either people are really that stupid or right. something else is going on and it's uh, 
Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing that I think back to the effect on the duck. You know, you see yeah. the duck and the reality is most people, most individuals <clears throat> will feel powerless, will feel like there's this stuff is so enormous it's right. so on a planetary level on like some of the real problems of life are so beyond what we can control yeah. that we're gonna get lost in the little psychodrama that we do have some minor degree <laughs> of control over because if we don't you feel like you're an ant trying to attack a tank and right. it's like yeah well good luck you yep. feel that you have no power you know the whole thing about one can make a difference you certainly don't feel that way no. when you're looking at these things but i think that's swaying i think i think people are waking up finally because i don't think anybody wants to be responsible yeah we were the generation that saw the last tiger in the wild it's you know crazy. and we are very possible to be culpable for that i mean that's where it's going and it's going really fast and at the same time you know if it's about signing a petition you know nobody would say well there are probably three people in the world who say yes i want to have right. uh, all animals go extinct and right. i want water to be poisoned and you know nobody but and those are the richest people in the world of course yes. those are, i mean that's the that's thing when i look at like a dick is. cheney and the or yeah. the halliburton crew or whatever all that shit is and like you know i mean not that they're the only ones but it's just what sure. comes to my mind but like um i think it you've already got enough money that like your grandchildren's grandchildren's grandchildren for 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 sperm that isn't even present in any idea it, to cultivate fucking a thousand years you have money for them nobody has to work right like, you're you're set up is it it's it that much of an addiction to where it's just like the bank account like oh look another number rolled yep. over or like that's that's a sickness like yeah. that is a that's a craving and a sickness that those people need to look at like that's fucking and they need to be disempowered i mean i know i used to look at it and i go really throwing some plastic jugs in a recycling bin and the same fucking guys that are mafia guys that pick up this garbage pick up the recycling bin pretty sure it all goes the same place whatever right and uh and also (laughs) if all of us recycled in the whole city would that be even a day of the pollution that Dow Chemical puts out right. all the time? Like, is it a t- like? But and so I used to feel, and and all that shit is probably true, of course. But it doesn't matter. Like as a as an older person, I start looking at it and I go, I go, well, if that's if that's all factual, awesome. But then I don't. I get sick of feeling impotent, and 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 yeah. and, and that's what that's what all those things push on us. And so I go, how do you not feel impotent about this? And then I, when I retired from fighting and I started to really get into like nutrition, like for a long time, you're superstitious mm-hmm. about your weight. Like you don't, you know, you don't want to change your weight cut because if you do and you're too lethargic, you really pay a price, you yeah. know, and, and, and all that. So people have their ways that they do that. And so I never really played with my diet a whole lot until after I stopped. And when I did, man, I, my, my consciousness around food and around nourishment and all that stuff changed a lot. But the thing is, is that um, with that, I started going, I want to pay farmers. I don't want to pay Cisco trucks to bring right. my food in. I yeah. want I want to, and, and so when, it's the first time I really felt like, oh, my power can come back here because right. what happens now is that I maybe I pay a couple dollars more, and but really it's only a couple dollars, which I throw away anyway on shit. But right. I, I can I can then encourage this guy to grow mm-hmm. more. He doesn't go out of business. Like everything gets and and I get to feed my body in a healthier way. And I'm not paying Coca Cola to enslave me. Right. And because that is what I'm doing when I pay corporations to buy me food and to like I just went to New York City and it's maybe you know arguably the best city in the world. It's fucking awesome in a lot of regards. But the thing that's interesting about it is like when I went to Italy the first time and I go, 
I go, what is it about this that feels like you can breathe? Like, uh, and then I was on the train and I was going up to Florence and I go, oh, oh, because all of a sudden after miles, I saw a billboard, and it was right. like a, I don't know what the billboard was for even. It was like maybe a city thing or something, but what it wasn't was fucking it was not riddled with a bunch of fucking coca-cola mcdonald's it wasn't there's no advertising i was like holy fuck right there's some strictures around people that are coming to pollute your sight and your vision and they don't do that here and the same i mean you looked at times square and you're like that's not that's bullshit tape but my, my point is that like it's such a small little area Little trucks with vegetables have to drive in there. There's not fucking semis that are blowing out Cisco trucks full of shit right. from mass-produced places. There are little farms from Connecticut, Jersey, New York mm-hmm. that are coming in to supply those places. And there's not like a bunch of Walmart, 7-Elevens. There's no room for that. Right. So it's a whole different kind of construct, which is rad. And, yep. and I go, well, to that degree, I'm 100% responsible for what I put in my body. Yep. And I'm 100% responsible from where I get that from. And so sure. really looking into that. And it's cool to see guys like Rogan is doing that now where he's like, I want to have killed every piece of meat that I eat this yep. year, you know? And, yep. and I want to know about all that. And and I think that it is like what you say, it's turning more and more. And it's because of things like that. It's going, oh, here's a way I can fucking grasp my power, man. Right. And uh, so that's kind of where where I've been. It's like, it's like when... We just started this thing, this this business, and I was like, I'm not interested in having a business, or I'm not interested in like, in like, uh, in in making money in, in those kinds of ways. It's like I'm interested in having a revolution. I'm interested in a fucking movement, man. I'm interested right. in in people being empowered and mobilized. Because I'm sitting like a friend of mine always. He tells me, man, you could come back to Detroit. You can make a killing. Shit's turning around here. There's cheap da 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 all this stuff. And I'm go. I don't want to be the only guy making a killing where everybody else is doing horribly poorly. Right. Like, I've got zero interest in that, man. Yeah. I want everybody to be doing well. Like, when everybody does better, everybody does better. And how can I really encourage that? And so that's what, that's what like, me and Keith Jardine and Lacey Mack, and we've been doing, and we put out this this thing, and uh, we just started an LLC called Pirate Life, and we, the first thing we put out under it was this caveman coffee thing. But, like, that whole thing is, like, it's a conversation that's ongoing and it's moving and it's going towards... What else can we do to encourage, inspire, and empower people? And and that's kind of where I think this whole thing is going. And that's where these right. kinds of conversations and things are going, you know? Well, we're at a point where we don't have a choice anymore. It's going to happen now right. or it's too yeah. late. Because we are at that tipping yep. point where they have completely destroyed the middle class. Yep. I know because I've been reduced from being middle class in the past 20 years along yeah. with everybody else. But I had this great moment. I'm going to do my Indian restaurant folks again. But down on the corner, catty quarter to each other are two Indian restaurants. I mean, okay. literally, they touch walls. And I went into the little lady that runs the place. And I was like, you know, do you guys ever, you know, are there any fisticuffs over this? And she said, no. There's plenty of business for both of us. Right. And that's where we've lost our way. Oh, yeah. I mean, in India, they don't allow Walmart and shit like that because that'll put 50 small hardware stores out yep. of business. And that's where we lost our minds. Right. We let one asshole, you know, come in just in the name of cheaper shit that wasn't made in the U.S. Even those same people that shot, that's the thing about when I say about, like, I don't want my dollars to enslave myself, is that that is the thing is, like, so I come in as, as a corporate entity and I'm going to enslave these people, and they're going to pay for it. Mm-hmm. That's a fun, yeah. That's some psychotic right. shit, man. Yeah. And that's what's happening. I mean, like right, right. now, you, whether you look at it with like uh, 
the the FEMA camps or whatever, or um, pe- people are doing they're doing you know a new internment camp for for Mexican illegals now. And and like when you look at um, the, the corporatization of prisons, and I go, okay, now where I'm going to incarcerate bad people, and it's also going to make the laws and all that. I'm going to make that into a cash business. So what do I need for that cash business? I need to have more criminals. More prisoners. Right. So I need to have more, more fear. Of I need course. the public to be scared more. Yep. And, and the biggest union in the world is the prison system union, is the, <sighs> is the, is the guards, which is fucking I know. rad. That's... And then what they say, they got a really good thing. They go in and I, I go, I'm a prison, like Wackenhut or whatever is going to put a prison here. Go to Illinois and go, hey, state of Illinois, um, you want us to have a prison here? We're going to get 5,000 jobs or whatever it is. Yes, please, come here. Okay, but we want you to guarantee that we're going to be at 88% occupancy, though, right. all the time. Can you guarantee that? Yes, we'll guarantee no that. And so then the state legislator, <laughs> all they have to do is get pushed to make laws because otherwise they pay a penalty to Wagon Hut. Of course. Hunt. Of course. And so they have to have longer sentences. They have to have more people getting imprisoned. Yep. Like, and so you're talking about your brothers, your sisters, yep. and more victimless crimes that are happening. Ugh. And it is fucking, it's crazy. That coupled with the fact that now you don't have any privacy, but you're also paying for them to spy on you. Like, no, no, it's, it is it's amazing. Nuts. And so the, the only thing is, is this transparency. And then you bring in microphones and you go, anybody can put on a podcast and we can say whatever. Right. Absolutely. And, and that's where it's at. That's the only place where the, where the fight is anymore. Yeah, because I mean, one of the things you brought up earlier about this disease, this addiction of more, more, more yeah. is never enough. It's yeah. never where you can, the guy at the top can sit back and just say... What a beautiful sunset. I'm going to play with my grandkids right. and relax and do yeah. whatever. You know, it's always that. It is an addiction. There's um, a story that I use a lot. I think I used it before in podcast. The, I'm on the Ojibwa tribe, you know, northern Great Lakes area, southern Canada. There's this uh, figure that's in their mythology of the Windingo. And the Windingo is this demon yes. that is a cannibal. And the more it eats the hungrier it gets. Yeah. So it's that's insatiable. a pretty scary demon because it's, it's bad enough to have a demon who feeds on human flesh. It's even worse than the demon who feeds on human yeah. flesh. Each time it eats, is hungrier than he was before yeah. and he wants to devour more. And you know, in like when people came around, they were like, the demon, that he, what the fuck is this weird shit? He's like, whatever, some weird superstition. That's the word right now that yeah. describe how the foundation of our economic system it describe how so much of this stuff that we're talking about the root of the number one enemy in the world in that sense is this winding or hunger that's it's constantly amazing. driving it's a, people it's a true to, archetype yeah it that, is that before you have these archetypes of heroines and heroes and now and now there's like and that, that is, though, you have to go to those ancient tribes to look at stuff and go, oh, there's archetypes for all the evil cancers mm-hmm. that happen. Because in those tribes of 150 people or less or whatever right. they are, they're like, oh, no, these are – I remember when Jimmy went bad and yep. he became like this. They ha- they have a story about Jimmy. Yep. And it's a Wendingo or it's – you know, <laughs> right. or whatever. It's like that stuff happens. And yep. those macrocosms are the same as the microcosms. Yeah. Human nature is what it is. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. and, and that's the tricky part. That that's when you want to look at like the big demons that we're facing as humanity. Yeah. That's, if not number one, definitely in up there. Maybe it is number one. It's definitely up there on the list. The sense of people who don't know how to enjoy life. Right. And so because they don't know how to enjoy life, the only way that they derive enjoyment is in junky fashion by go- yeah. feeding on this thing and going. And the process of feeding the beast requires that 
everything got consumed. The environments got fucked up. The other people have to be screwed over in order to feed the beast. Their own lives got to be screwed over because in order to feed the beast. Because these are not happy people. These are not right. people who are enjoying. Like Alan Watts had a beautiful thing about real materialism, saying real materialism is awesome because it's people who enjoy the material world and they are going to enjoy the five senses and they are going, that's good materialism. Materialism in the sense of this type of addiction where you need constantly more of stuff because you have nothing inside, that has nothing to do with the good side of it because somebody who really know how to enjoy it would not want, you know, you have, as you said, three generations taken care for, why the hell do you need to spend time, money, and energy that you could spend having a great time with friends? Right. Because I need more. I need those numbers to go well, up. And I the other that. thing is how you, you're not doing any of those people behind you a favor no, either. That's no, that's the crazy because part. You, if you've got those people behind you, why yeah. are you not trying to make the best possible yeah, future yeah. planet possible? Yeah. Do exactly. you think that would make the most and, sense? And also, if I offer somebody and go, here, you never have to do anything your whole life. That that seems like awesome when you look at it in a in a remedial mindset. Right. But but truly you're robbing that person of all their greatness that they could become. Like you have to struggle. Struggle. Yeah. There it is. You have to. If you don't have that struggle, then you have a meaningless life that doesn't have it's not gonna be easy. It's no. not gonna be fair. And by God, that's not what you're here for anyway. No, it's weird. Yeah, I was talking to somebody we're doing this thing, uh this thing called the whole life challenge and it, it just comes up a few times a year, but it's like looking at at fitness and diet and flexibility and all, all this stuff but there's a guy that talks about it a lot who is a real a, a, a big advocate of it but he's one of these guys that just he looks great no matter if he eats 80 donuts a day and all that, all that stuff and I was talking with a friend of mine about it and I was like and you know he's one of these rare guys and I said so when he speaks of it he doesn't speak with the same veracity of somebody that's like that understands what it's like to overcome. Yep. Because he never has. Yep. You know, he never had to put himself in a position where he's really had to overcome and and uh and all the you know, there's so many of us that that do whether it's through sports or whether it's through getting through mm -hmm. different psychic blocks or whether it's, you know, through right. through some course of study that we've taken on or Quitting whatever smoking. it is, any of that, you know. Oh. There's, there's our greatnesses yeah. everywhere where, where we can attach to that. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is I think that you that you brought up is that so important is then to, to be able to sit back and enjoy the sunset or whatever. It's like, it's a continuing, like, how do I find appreciation right. or, or, or a real essence of like uh, humanity in my life in, in those ways? And when I don't have that, I, I can't put that on. And I, I used to think mm -hmm. about it when the, with these old dudes, especially, I was like, man, pussy runs the world. Like nobody's getting out of bed if they're not thinking about fucking something. You know, nobody nobody needs a nicer car because they want to impress their friends. You know, right? Like like really, it's like the, it it becomes you know I mean a little bit, but like there's always this thing about like you know the girl wants to have the guy that's the most powerful guy in the room, and whether that today isn't a huge caveman, but it looks more like Donald Trump or something, whatever. You know, but but that's the thing, and and and. You look at that as as uh, guys get older and testosterone and that sexual vitality wanes, yep. and guys have two choices. They're not competitive anymore about the same things in that way. Mm -hmm. And the only way then that you can look at it and go, I want to be vital still in that way, is either you have to smash the guys behind you and make sure they never achieve, right? or you help them. Yep. And you help them to achieve greater things than you ever could have. And 
those are that's it right and you can clearly see the dudes that are cool that choose one way and the dudes that are just sad and full of cancer mm-hmm. that choose another way yeah and, and and those are the things of like of scarcity or, or or opulence and like where are we you know where am i living where am i setting my intentions and it's like it, and, and jujitsu taught me that i tell it a lot i go man you know if i just triangle you and i finish you all the time yeah. over and over and i never show you how right you never get to get better mm-hmm. or it takes you a lot longer to get right. better and i think that's cool because i still get to win now that's all about my ego right sure the shit part is is when i look at it in a bigger mind i never get to get better either right. i'm robbing myself from my own greatness and once i show you and i go hey dude here's how i do this now i have to think of a new way yep. Yep. now you're learning Absolutely. you know what i mean yep. and that, so the thing is is like that whole scarcity mindset that is like this zero-sum thinking that goes you have to stay where you are and I have to crush you to get better. Right. Is is so remedial when really you look at that opulence and, and how good my life is, man, when I go, I can't win unless you win. Right. I need you to succeed. I have I must have you excel and exceed and be fantastic, or else I can't win either. It's the only way. Even because that game, this illusion that people have that you can sit on the pile of money, wealth, whatever that may be, and be like, look, I won, I triumph. Right. It's like, dude, you are, death laughs at you the same way as yeah. it laughs at everyone else. Your casket's you know? just as big as mine, yeah, no matter like what. All that effort and struggling and screwing the next people over right. and uh, knifing people in the back. And then you're like, you're going to be alive a few decades. That's it. You're yeah. not going to extend it that much. We told the man in the universe, you can no. buy yourself a tiny bit, whatever. Yeah. That doesn't really make much difference. Is that true about Walt Disney? He froze himself in hopes that he could come back right. in a later date? That's, like that. that's right. what I heard, right? right? Who knows something if it's, like that, but, you know? It's like, hmm. Yeah, but that's exactly, it's the thing is like, you, the big things in life, you're not gonna defeat no matter how. No. So at the end of the day, nobody wins in that way. No. So if the illusion is that you can gain control and become immortal and have sex forever and never die and all of that, well, tough luck, that's not gonna happen. No. So once you can accept that, then you can probably deal with the fact that let's play, let's have a good time, let's yeah. make the next person and happy. And make the let's moments, make... the moments what they are, you know? Exactly, That's because the thing. at the end of the day, it's all moments that you yeah. have, and you can make those moments amazing, but nobody is going to, they themselves, a single individual, win in the face right. of it all, because the universe is gonna just go and it squash is what you. It is. Yeah. And I used to look at, uh, I used to read a lot of Taoism, I'd always look mm-hmm. for different, things and I studied a lot of different religions and when I looked at that that was like the the biggest thing that spoke to me a lot you know about about transcendence really and about this life I like Marcus Aurelius for his mm-hmm. writings on that too his reflections are fantastic but and and they're something you can walk on there you can grasp mm-hmm. that and use that you know but they talked about these cats that are living 130 140 years these old Taoist priests and and um they attributed that to like their immortality is that they would live in the moment right that they, that they were in they were in such deep appreciation for each and every moment that that moment lasted forever right and the stress of that was zero yep. and their bodies then just like and and that's a beautiful thing and the mm-hmm. other thing that i really liked about it is they talked about the difference with destiny and with um fate Mm-hmm. And and they talked about the distinctions of those, and, and they go, your your fate is just what happens. It's right. just, if you do nothing, your 
Your fate is just where it, where it goes. Mm-hmm. And your destiny, you're going to have to fight your fate and crawl over it and pick it up and drag it and, and struggle, like you said. that, and, yeah. that's, and that's where it's at, you know? And, and not everybody feels the same kind of, huh, to right. get out and get towards that destiny. But I think that's the thing about these movements that we're talking about is, is the only reason why not, or one of the reasons why not, is people feel impotent. Like, yep. how could I strive towards that destiny? It seems yep. so big. And just to go, fuck, man, here's what I did. I just started putting my feet like this, and then I'm here. And then people can go, I mean, I remember the first guy I looked at, and I go, wow, man, his life is different. And it used to be like this. And then the next thought I had was, maybe me too. Right. And How man, did that happen? Let me start the other. Maybe me yeah. too. I was like, there was the first like chink in the armor of right. all this ego and all this fear and all this darkness there's like, no, man, maybe you too. Because I always thought, light's just not going to shine on you, Tate. Right. You know? You're just different. God made you however he did and whatever. And that, and I was like, all right, whatever. But then when I go, fuck, man, maybe you too. Where did that come from, you think? Like, where the sort of the origin of the journey into the darkness, so to speak? Boy, it's society, right? Know. They've no, been feeding it to us the whole way that... Fear, fear, fear. Well, but fear. I mean, yeah, some people respond to it, some people not. So I guess there's I also felt a personal. Like I was real sensitive, you know, always. And I, I felt like there was a time when I was a little kid and I was always fascinated with death. And I was like, where do they go? Like, mm-hmm. like when my grandpa died, I remember going, he was like 70 or 79, I think. And I must have been like seven or nine years old. I was little. And I thought, where? I got to go to Arizona to see him. It's a long trip. And I'll go, Now he's gone. I'm, where is he? Maybe it's just yeah. another long trip. I have to, and, and like years, and I remember thinking years and miles are the same. And maybe I just have to travel 70 years and then I'll be able to see him too because I'll die at the same time he will or something like right. that. I, I don't know what I was thinking, you know, but um, it, it's like it's a, a, a real thing that I thought like that. But there, there's also a time when you just feel like this world is a cold, dark motherfucker and you're mm-hmm. all by yourself. And, um, and for me, it's like the first kind of solace and comfort that I really felt. Uh, outside of my family was was in the street and was from dudes that we'd do we'd do little criminal shit together and right. fucking and and then we'd get high together and things just went on on that road and then like when you talk about that insatiable hunger that mm-hmm. the Wendingo has it's the same thing you know as I go a lot like because I've tried it a lot I've gone oh, maybe I'll just do this I'll do a little bit of this and the, and uh, when I do then I end up overdose like 10 days later right and uh, and and that whole that whole old adage of you know one's too many and a thousand's never enough it's like once i start that dragon going right i am insatiable yeah and course. uh and i'm a slave you right. know and so and, and i don't know what that is i don't you know people talk about like there's biology makeup or genetic makeup i, I don't know what it is but i've always been attracted to that and still now like wherever i go i just any city i go to i go on ghetto tours i'm like i just want to see the darkest nastiest parts of this motherfucker and i guess i feel comfortable with that. <laughs> and there's an element of you that i guess when you speak of the sensitivity that just stability to feel things you know if people's normal emotional range is minus one plus one right and you have a minus 10 plus 10 right unless you learn how to ride that wave you are born on a wave that's like a hundred feet tall whereas everybody's swimming in the kiddie pool yeah. and you're like shit how did i get it here and more importantly what do i do with it now because that's my reality that's right. what i feel that's why to me is like having that kind of sensitivity which not everybody has for whatever reason who the hell sure. knows is something that is both a blessing and a curse because 
if you don't learn how to play with it, it will tear you apart. You know, it's going to fuck you Certainly. up because you feel things too much, you know, and it will drive you in yeah. these crazy highs and lows and it will take you through some really dark journeys. If you no- learn how to master it, you are, you know, what you're talking about, the struggle and getting through. Now you know how to ride a 50-foot wave. Now is whatever right. life can throw your way. People who are used to the kiddie pool, they are great and fine as long as it's comfortable. If you push them out of their comfort zone, right. good luck. If you are born in that place, once you learn how to master that game, it, it's a whole different way of playing. It doesn't yeah. make you better or worse. It makes you bigger. It makes you a larger human being in the sense and that... More, more comfortable yeah. you know, in all that, like under pressure, you know? I mean, I love that thing, no pressure, no diamond, mm-hmm. you know? And, yep. and, uh, and so I've always like striven like after i got clean up like i just strive to put myself i would put myself in those positions right. where i'm the most vulnerable and where i'm the most like like this is uncomfortable okay let's sit here and like i'm greg jackson always would tell us he's like you got to get comfortable where other men are uncomfortable yep and so like really and that and that comes up in everybody's life everywhere you know right and we run from it we look for comfort yep. we want fucking fuck out this doesn't feel good yep. but once you start going I like this feeling uncomfortable, you know, and you can just kind of breathe it in and look around instead of like, like losing your breath a little bit and going, Oh my God, when does it stop? And you sure. Go, All right. Well, this is what this feels like. And then you're just there. And That's why in one of my other, I don't know why it's American Indian days. It keeps coming to like, we had the Ojiba winding. One thing that comes to mind is the, um, the Lakota battle cry, Hoka Hey, which is, you know, today is a good day to die. Right. It seems completely demented because it's like, if you are this, why not having this badass warrior, I'm going to kick your ass kind of battle cry? Why not? You know, the idea of acknowledging death, acknowledging the scariest thing that you can possibly acknowledge right. as uh, somebody going into battle. <clears throat> And in that sense, going right into touching and feeling the most uncomfortable thing of all and finding a way to turn it around is, hey, you know, let's roll. Maybe today is a good day to die. And turn it, not because necessarily you're a death lover or you love discomfort. I really dig it where, you know, it's like, no, I'd rather hang out with hot women in the pleasant environment. And, you know, that's more fun. But if I'm going to be there anyway, and in life you're going to be there a million times, whether you like it or not, might as well find a way to make it glorious and, and it's the it's the moment yeah right if like if we're gonna scrap yeah this is the moment right and i've got to be willing to do the thing mm-hmm. that you don't want to do yep and or else i don't win and so yep. that's kind of like the only way to win is to throw yourself into death in yep. those ways and and uh like yeah jardine and i say that all the time or hashtag it seek death Right, and it's like it, it is like that, man. When you go and you lock yourself in a cage, and you're like, "We're gonna go," and it's the the worst thing that can happen, mm-hmm. regardless of the outcome, is that you don't throw yourself fully into it, yep. and that you're hesitant. Yep. When you get hesitant and you start to second guess, or you go, or you try to be careful, you it's like, and you can see guys like I think George Saint Pierre, he fights a good, careful fight, and he's a master right. at the puzzle of that fight. I don't think it's the way to go, right. I, but I, I think the thing is, is you need to be a savage, mm-hmm. and you and you throw yourself in 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 a way where you've put yourself out there 
and there might be no coming back, but you're fully committed. Yep. And that's that thing of like that, it's a good day to die. It's mm-hmm. like, I'm fully committed to this fight. Yep. I'm not throwing myself on your sword, right. but 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 I'm willing to chew through the necks of death right now. Mm-hmm. You know, And when that happens, man, that's a guy that will will maybe walk out of there. Absolutely. You know, and if I go in careful, I'm not useful to my brothers around me yeah. and I'm not useful to, to the greater cause. That's one of the things that's tricky about good strategy. Like if you're smart, if you have a good mind and you can play the game well, you can avoid the discomfort, you can see troubles coming your way before it does and you find a way to avoid it. Now, there's something great about that. There certainly obviously makes your life a lot easier than running into trouble every other second. But at the same time, it robs you of that experience of not always being able to play it safe, even because it doesn't matter how great you are eventually you're not going to be able to always play it safe so to instead embracing the fact that you have no control let's roll how do i deal with not setting up the perfect strategy not setting up the fight that i want to fight ending up in the place where i didn't want to be what do i do now yeah having that experience and again, there's experience. There's like the time when you're, it's a life or death thing. That's probably not where you want to learn that feeling right. <laughs> or there's a lesser degree of, but right. building that muscle is key. Well, and that's the thing is trust in your training too. Mm-hmm. It's like that whole thing about like opportunity meets every man. Right. And some people are prepared when mm-hmm. that comes and some people are not. And and so if you've trained and, and you put yourself out there and you go, okay, I'm fully trained. My reactions are honed. Right. And you throw yourself in there, and you go and you bang it out like a savage. It's not like your training goes away. Right. You're still you're going to move in the way you've trained. You're just going to do it with a veracity mm-hmm. and an intensity that is hopefully at a level that your opponent can never catch up to. Right. And and that's I love Diego Sanchez for that man. He he fights just like that, you know. And and the guy that that St. Pierre just fought that um, Hendrix. Oh uh, yeah, man. Yeah. Like, and that's the difference with right. a guy that went in like that and a guy that played it safe. And you, you can, you can see when that doesn't really. I mean, it didn't turn out well. That, right. George won. He got a victory out of it, but uh, a pyrrhic victory, I would say. You right. Know, at, at best. And even that's why it's not that one is a good approach, one is a bad approach. In reality is in perfect Taoist fashion. Certainly. You need both, and you need to be able to make the choice of. Yep when I'm going to play a great strategic game and win with no effort, and when instead is, that's not the time. Yep. Today's balls out and go. Yep. And you need to have both. Otherwise, <coughs> I mean, most people don't even have one. You know, right. for most people, having one of them would be a dream because they are neither that right. smart and strategic right. or that gutsy. But even if you develop one, it's still like, that's awesome. There's something beautiful there, but there's something missing. You don't have a choice. You're just going yeah. with the only thing you know. When you have both, you have choices. Yeah. And then it's like, today I'll play this way because yeah. it calls it yeah, today. Yeah. No, that's not the... It's cool too when you know, like, I don't know, looking back, it just reminded me when you say when you say that, like, and, and thinking about that kind of a competition, and like, especially if you make your living in that kind of a competition, mm-hmm. I need to win, you know, or, or whatever to, to stay relevant, especially now now in this day and age, it's like right. fucking the competition is so high and people are quick to cut you out of your job mm-hmm. and whatever, but... To not have to have that context to look at life through to go, I don't, I don't have any competition. Like I want everybody around me to do well. Right. And it's like when you when you go and you're competing against, like in a cage fight or something, for instance, it's like you don't really want that guy to do well. You know <laughs> right, what I mean? Of course. To, like, not for yeah. the next five minutes. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, it's a, it's interesting, man. It's a whole different yeah. where you put your life. I mean, and like you say, different different times, different 
different times uh, dictate you to behave mm-hmm. in different ways. And like, I'm grateful that was a fashion of my life for a certain time. And, sure. And I'm really glad for the garments that I have today. Yeah. And that's why it's like being able to speak multiple languages. Yeah. It's not that any one language is a bad one. It's just that, or knowing one is, it's the more you know, the more you can relate to life on so many different levels. Yeah. And, uh, and that's why to me, back to the thing you're bringing up about that uh, authenticity, that integrity that yeah. comes from, you know, when the guy who has never been in that place give you the good lesson, the words that he may be using may be the right ones, but there's no experience there. There's like, I don't right. like the, um, there's one dude, um, you ever read the book, The Power of Now? Uh-huh. Um, like, Is it Eckhart Tolle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything he says, he makes perfect sense. Right. There's something there. And this may just me being a judgmental bastard and I completely acknowledge the possibility that that's the case. But there's something that I don't feel. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, I agree with what you're saying. I don't feel it in my gut. I read his book. Right. And, uh, and, and, I, and I liked a lot of it and a lot mm-hmm. of his ideas. Like, you know, the, I don't know, for those of you that haven't read it, he, talk, he talks a lot about your mind and about, like controlling your mind in right. a way about watching the mind and going, is the mind myself or is mm-hmm. my body myself or is, you know, and how to be the watcher of your mind and your thoughts and some rad stuff in there. And I heard him speak on books on tape and I was like, I cannot take this guy. Yep. And I think what yep. you're saying, yep. man, yep. that's what rings true for me. Yep. It's like, this seems Fugazi kind of like this dude yeah. is a little bit. <laughs> And yeah, man, there is, there is that aspect to it. And, and I think that's the same thing with religion is like a lot of stuff. Like I remember searching guys, I, I would go and sit with priests and right. I'd be like, well, what about this though? Like, and, and every time when the questioning got to a certain point, even if they would admit like, well, a lot of these are fables, you know, if you talk to right. that, that kind of a priest and, and a lot of the priests that you talk to are like, no, this is the word of God that was handed down and, and all that. And, and I'm like, well, that's, you know, even as a little kid, I'm like, that seems not right and no. uh why don't y'all talk about the inquisition ever you know what i mean it's or, like jonah really lived in a whale right motherfucker <laughs> it really it doesn't seem right there's digestive fluids oh, in there <laughs> so, so i gotta um, know i gotta know what you think of the new pope though has he not he's, I, I, he's I walking know. the walk you know, a little bit yeah he, he i mean he sounds he sounds like a normal human where the rest of those guys <laughs> sound like they're not right, yes. right? Yeah. um <laughs> But, you know, and which is just a judicious, thoughtful, caring person. Right. Like, that's all I expect from my leader. Yeah. Exactly. You know what I mean? You no. fucking assholes. Like, we don't need a lot. Yeah. Just act like you're generous, gracious, and caring to people. For <laughs> a, little, a little decency goes a yeah. long way all Damn of a sudden. Man. It Isn't seems like not asking for much. No. And yeah. And you're it's not. like the moon. And but there's this one idiot I know, and he's a devout Catholic. Oh. And, and he's Catholic in a way. And he's a super nice guy. He's just really dumb. Like when I say idiot, like whatever the sure. definition is, it's like 95 or less IQ or whatever that shit is. He's afflicted. And uh, and he, he goes to church. He's, he's, he's that guy. And, and he's super nice. He's really great to everybody around. Super polite. Like a really nice gentleman. And, and dumb as dirt. And he talks about like with the last pope. I was like, well, you'll think maybe being a Nazi or anything was something amiss with the guy or whatever. And, and I go, well, he's a little kid and he's getting, maybe I could even forgive him that. He sure. He's a little kid getting put in places, what, whatever. But then he's hiding a bunch of dudes that fucked a bunch of little kids yeah. later. Like, mm. then we don't forgive and, as much. And, uh, no. Yeah. I got, and he says, that's all propaganda. I go, are you wow. hilarious? Because they're paying money to dudes that I know right. that were fucked by Catholic priests. They're giving them money. Right. And some of them, they let it go so long because they're so ashamed and so broken their whole lives. They don't get any money. Right. 
But like that's happening too, dude. And he's like, that's just propaganda that goes up. Okay, cool. And then he got my my friend Maynard is a, a he knows him and they got into a thing a Facebook thing about because Maynard's gay and uh, and they they go back and forth and he's real nice he loves Maynard and they're great you know back and forth but he's like well yeah you know I just don't I just don't agree with the lifestyle you've chosen and all that kind of stuff and about chosen I'm like and I remember thinking when I was a little kid I'm like if you're gay who chooses to be ostracized yeah. by your parents right. by your peer group by your I mean you that's, know it's in what sixth I, grade yeah. and somebody says fag like. That's like well, some of the worst shit you can hear, and like that we make that the worst thing. Like how fucked up are we societally, right? Mm-hmm. And so anyway, they're back and forth with all this, and I'm, I'm looking at just pages of like hundred comments, and it's just the two of these knuckleheads. Right. Like you bitches could call each other. This is a public forum. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I put at the end of it, I go, hey, I just want you to consider, Phil, like perhaps if. Is this because it's the word of God? He says, yeah, the word of God comes down through the Pope and it comes to us. The, wow. From the Heavenly Father to the Great Father on Earth or whatever the fuck they call the Pope. I go, all right, cool. I go, so if that dude all of a sudden next year says, hey, gays are cool, I was wrong. Is that a wash? Are, are gays cool with you right. now too? Or is it still the abomination that you talk about? And, and he wouldn't answer me. Because it like froze that, up. But he that's just, exactly just, that's exactly what's happened, right? right and yeah. so so this guy that is not and so now Phil's whole thing is like, well, you gotta read the Catholic news online at dot com. That's the real story. This is a lot of you know, they just take the sound bites and everything. Wow. I'm, like, I'm like, so they tell the real devout Catholics that go to whatever fringe weirdo website this is. <laughs> right. Like they whatever they tell them. I don't know. But um yeah, man, I, I mean he seems like a great guy and everybody gotta believe in something and, and, and I don't know any more than anybody else knows like what's out there. I'm not trying to say sure. that by by kind of teasing Catholics or whatever, but the only thing that I think is funny is people that vehemently think that they know right and especially like my friend there that is going oh no i know gays are bad or whatever and then now that gays aren't bad in the eyes like now he freezes it's like it's like you don't have any argument that you can really stand on and that's not a man to me like you're not a guy if i have to hear your words and go I believe it as long as Daniele believes it. And then when he changes his mind, pff, I'm in the wind. I believe what he believes too now. And right. it's like, that that's not anything that you've thought out. That's just, and that and to me, that's not a follower that any God of mine right. wants. Right. Is a weak little bitch like that right. that fucking flows with wherever the wind goes. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. And, and yep. so yep. I look at it through kind of those kinds of eyes and, and, and saying all that, other than that, I don't know shit. Like I can't get yep. my head around that we're in the dirt and that's it. Like my atheist friends that are there, I'm like, you guys are as crazy as the people that right. know that. They are. They're the it, opposite end of you the guys, spectrum. You guys are it's the same. It's the same shit. Anybody that says that they know, you guys, you guys are really, you know, I love this, this friend of mine. He said the best shit to me. He goes, I was, I was reading, I was studying a book with him, and, and, uh, and I go, what do you think of this, man? Like, he's a guy 20 years older than me, and I go, you've lived a lot, Michael. And and he goes, I said, you got to have an answer for this. And, and he goes, you know, Tate, he says, I used to have all kinds of answers. And he says, and every time I had an answer, I had ground I had to defend. Right. And he said, I just got sick of fighting. Yep. And he says, and since I've got more questions than answers, he says, my whole life just opened up, man. And it's a beautiful, giving life. And and I look at it like that, man. It's like, it's like I can't get yeah. rooted in what I know because the thing, I'll tell you this, man, the things that I knew fucking with hard, hard, passionate truth, I knew, mm-hmm. whether it's when I was 12 years old, 17, 22, 36, whatever, 
Those things have proven to be wrong. I've been mistaken <laughs> right. about most of them. And when I can look back at my life and go, I was wrong most of the time. Yeah. Like I'm more wrong than I am right. And then and people talk about that being a catharsis or they go, I evolved right. or I fucking whatever the fuck you want to call it. But it's like I lived this life not moving gracefully through. Right. I'm stumbling along Stumbled every little bit of the way. Yep. And then I look back and I go, if I was wrong all that time, I got to then consider that everything <laughs> that I'm sitting with right now here today is Maybe. also perhaps wrong. If I'm hitting 70%, that's a good percentage. <laughs> you know, you know, and, like, and, and that's a beautiful, freeing yeah. way to be. It is. That's I'm not a, attached to anything. That's why that's another one of the big diseases beside that demon that wants more, more, more is the allegiance to any ideology. Oh. Talk about a disease because again, Truly. life is bigger than any ideology. The greatest, smartest concept there is out there can capture it all. Yeah. And that's why when you, as you put it, you have to defend it then. You have to, why? You know, you, you are not the slave of the ideology. The ideology is a tool in your quiver for you to pick among 17 other ideologies right. that you take when it's useful. You use it. You get something out of it. Improves the quality of your life. It doesn't work here. Okay, let's put it aside. I'll use something else that right. works. The idea that suddenly you are the representative of this ideology that you have to stick to all the time, that just demented. That just doesn't work. That's very bad. And, and then you dug in and you're stuck. Yeah. And it, the thing that uh, like you guys are talking about, about not having answers, and right. it is very much related to that element of having that authenticity. Because everybody who's not authentic to one degree or another, whether they believe it or not, wants to always have answers, right? Because it's about, I need to, I'm gonna sh show that I'm sure in my conclusion, I'm gonna, it's a sign of strength that I always have an answer to everything, that I have this and that. And and the fact, I was having the, I was telling Rich before um, before we got on, like this morning I had one of those conversations and you're like, what the fuck do I do with this? Because my daughter was uh, basic, you know, my daughter is four years old and she was telling me how, you know, I's, speaking about death you know she was telling now basically oh, i want to die because i want to go see my mom and i'm like okay let's talk about it you know let's deal with it how did her mom pass uh, she died of a brain tumor when <sighs> she was she doesn't remember because she was like 90 yeah, yeah. months old so it was like she was tiny right but of course she still see other sure. people's mom and she's one of the toughest roles you could ever imagine Unreal. you know Can and you, you imagine? know and we have that conversation no, fairly often obviously because you think that is for her is very real right it's no. not some random thing that we need to bring up at some point it's very very real and when we start I don't want to give her a, you know, life is tough, deal with it, tough shit. But at the same time, I don't want to bullshit her either and then feed her stuff that make no sense. So I really go back to the, it is what it is. Some people believe this stuff. Some people believe that stuff. Nobody really knows. Nobody really knows. It doesn't mean that you have to believe the worst possible scenario here because we don't know. You know, we don't. Maybe you do see your mom again in a spirit form. How the fuck do I know? Maybe your mom is right here right now in this second. It's possible. Maybe there is, not, you know, may, maybe a million things. I'm not bullshitting you trying to sell you one to comfort you to make you fall asleep better right now. But at the same time, I'm also not going to depress you in some, even because I don't believe the depressive version either. Because why would I right. even go in the route and want in the. And it doesn't mean it's all bullshit. 
Exactly. Like just because all these things that nobody really knows, it doesn't, like, because that's what most of us do. That's what I do. Right. And I've got a six-year-old, basically, that runs my life that lives inside me, you know? And and and, and, and when, when really taken to emotion, he goes, well, fuck this. It's all bullshit anyway. Right. You know what I mean? Just because yeah. I've been disappointed right. or something. And it's like, that. that's not it either, you know? And then the focus become on what is that, if you don't know anything at the end of the day, because you really don't know when there's all these ideas, and sure, consider them, but ultimately don't put your stock in anything that no. you don't have proof for. What is that you do have something solid, something tangible? And, you know, when it comes to her mom, I'm like, what would your mom want for you right now? Would she want you to be happy or would she want you to be sad? She would want me to be happy. It's like, okay, that's the only fucking thing that you have control yeah, over. That. Let's it. go there. You know, let's work on you being happy. That's let's beautiful. focus on that this stuff. This was your wife? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so to me it's like, and the beauty with kids is that they don't have the same bullshit that we have been ingrained no. about being polite or only going certain direction. They'll ask the question that seems uncomfortable to the whole room. Exactly. And they're like, <laughs> and then yeah. you're like why am I feeling uncomfortable? They're, they need to know. Yeah, and it's there's something beautiful out of the mouths of babes. Precisely. I was having. Uh, we are recording a different episode of one of the crazy thing that she was saying. I, there were these other people were like when she my daughter asked them about their parents and these are adults whose parents have sure. died already and they were dancing around with 17 euphemism they are no longer with us and my daughter is like yeah that's bullshit what are we saying here you know right. what does that mean is like well they are uh, passed on huh there's what? that fucking time when there's we try to uh, say things so nicely yeah, that it loses this. all meaning it, and, it means nothing and exactly. you're just left kind of feeling like like a like a mauve color yeah. or something. You're like, I'm not really crisp anywhere. I'm just kind of like sedated. It's like what well, it's exactly. like you just gave him Zoloft with your words or something. And the child will look at it and see right through it and be like, that did not fucking answer when, my and, question. And when children you know, leave, like, it's because right. they get bored and frustrated. And they go, yeah. adults are bullshit. And never and have they, any answers. And yeah. and what the hilarious thing is, they're all doing this to protect the child yep. who has no problem. She's fully aware that her mother is dead. Dude. That's why, you in know? fact, she went the last of the various levels was, oh, my parents are now with God. And right. my daughter was like, huh, you know, because... My mom just got an illness and died. And, you know, yeah. it was like, I could see the other person, like the adult freaking out. But I'm like, look, she's been more real right now than you've ever been in your life up until now. You know, it's like. That's what I always thought about farmers and stuff like that. People, kids that are growing up around like, here's a cycle. Here's a lamb that you right. raised and now we slaughter it and now we eat it. And, like, yep. and when you can see that death and we hide it here in mm -hmm. America, like we don't have news that shows the bodies right. of, of the war. We, that, that's mm -hmm. not good Madness. for us to buy the next war. Right. And all those kinds of things and we hide that those hard conversations there's a great ted talks in boulder and i don't know if you go at like ted talks boulder lesbian maybe i'm not sure like those keywords i think bring it up but this lady talks about coming out and she mm -hmm. goes you know we all have to have these coming out conversations yeah. that are hard and she says i remember i've got my lesbian hat on and my fucking buzz cut haircut and i'm working in walnut cafe or whatever in boulder colorado and this little kid comes in and, and he goes, uh, he goes, he asks the uncomfortable question. This little four-year-old does that comes up. Are you a boy or a girl? Right. <laughs> like, she's oh, like, it's and complicated. She goes, and she goes, the next time that somebody asked me that, and she's like, and so every four-year-old or every six-year-old I would see at my waitress job, I'd, I would just be stealing myself and getting my women's 101, you know, feminist course up and, and just right. really ready to do battle with this little demon yeah. that's about to fucking say this horrible thing to me. And uh, 
And sure enough, this little blonde-haired girl with her nice little family, she goes, are you a boy or a girl? And she goes, and it just kind of washed away because she was so sweet. And I go, well, you know, sometimes you have sundress days and some days you have pajama days. And she goes, yeah. She goes, well, I'm a girl, but I'm more of a pajama day girl. <laughs> and uh, she goes, oh, okay, I'd like some pancakes. Right. You know what I mean? And yeah. she just goes right I'll on the pancakes. It doesn't mean anything. Nah. It's just, I got this question. I don't, I'm also would love some pancakes. And yeah. it's like, it's just that. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Right. You know? And that's the thing. I love this quote where I heard this guy, he goes, he goes, man, what's it take to be a good football coach? And he goes, you got to be smart enough to know all the ins and outs of the game. And you got to not be smart enough to not know that it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know what I mean? You got to think it's right. pretty important. Yeah, and, yeah. And, uh, and that's this thing about this whole fucking life, man, is that, I, I mean, I'm sitting, I, it's funny you say that about about your wife and your daughter and and because uh, it's a thing, I, I've been going back to Michigan a lot lately because I've got a, a, a dear woman that helped raise me and one of those people you just feel like you mm -hmm. owe uh, a huge debt. That, like, it is a debt. I can never pay. I mean, right. somebody that cared for me when I was worthless and right. fucking that took me in and the whole thing, man. And, and I and I was in diapers with her with her sons. And and uh, and she's had a lot of loss this year, but she also it's her last Christmas, you mm -hmm. know, she's going to have. She's got, she's dying of cancer. And, and um and she's scared. She's been a devout Catholic for all these mm. years, and 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 to me, it's like like growing up reading Thor, and, right? And and reading about Neptune and all that. It's like we didn't understand the moon and the tides, so we got Neptune, you know? Right. Like I get it. We told little kids that, and then after a while, adults believed it because the little nobody told them like that's just what we tell to keep the fears away when the thunder claps, right? You know, and uh, and I think that like right now we have the latest mythologies, but like so she's grown up with mm -hmm. all that and with an idea of all that and. In one of the big three, you know, like the Islam, Judaism, and Christianity, it's like those are the bangers. And, right. And she's terrified. And she's standing at this threshold, and she's going to walk through this door, and she's terrified of what she's leaving, and she's scared. She goes, you know, I'm scared. I'm scared that uh, I'm not going to be with you guys anymore, and I'm scared. And what's it all mean? And this whole this whole idea yeah. of death. And and I go, well, what do you think it is? You know, when you walk through the door, Mama, like what do you? Right. And she goes, I just don't know, baby bear. And I go, well. I go, maybe, maybe you go into a trillion little pieces is what I think. And I said, and I think you cleave yourself closer to all of us than you could have ever been in, in this life. Mm -hmm. And I, I think I think maybe it's like that. And I think that every question that you had, you just instantly know you don't even have to ask. And I and I think you become part of something way bigger than anybody's ever talked about. And and she goes, Boy, I hope that's true, you know, and, and we don't we don't have any ideas, so I, I believe that because that's the thing that warms my heart the most, right. you know? and it makes way more sense than most of the other shit. Yep. But I, I also think that it's like, you know, when we when we go into those kinds of ideas of going, I know it's like this or I know it's like that, and it doesn't make me feel good, then it, maybe it's important that I reject it anyway, mm -hmm. because it goes back to what you told your little girl. She want you to be happy, right? And if that's the biggest thing is that I can only be useful if, if I'm full of joy and I can fucking be in that in that street light under right. the light and go, man, it's good, man. Yeah. Then then I'm worthless. Right. Then I am that. You right. know? And uh and I think that's there's a real value in just like the basics of just be happy. Look towards your happiness. Mm -hmm. And if and gut check it. If it yep. doesn't feel good what you're doing, let's not do that. Right. We don't have to do that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Carlin used to do a great bit about I, I, I've abandoned all religion and now I only pray to the sun 
because I can see the sun and it makes me warm and it makes the food that I create and it still answers my prayers at the same shitty 17% rate that God was giving me. <laughs> that works. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a great, he was, I mean, what a great man that guy was. Yeah. Like, you know, like a real. Unafraid. Like all those comics. Yeah. I, I look at that. I never really started thinking about it until I started traveling with Joe and like Ari and Joey Diaz and those guys and. And man, you look at the art form of comedy, and then then I start hearing about the history of comedy, and and I never knew. I'm a little little tiny kid. It's the first time I heard "fuck" so right. so uh, liberally used was when I watched Eddie Murphy, you know, and I was like, oh wow, that man yeah. is saying some dirty stuff, mom, <laughs> you know. And uh, I'll never forget my first Richard Pryor record. It was like, oh. <laughs> well, and so then I never heard it until I like I was I wasn't of the age when Richard Pryor was around, and so then like I'm I'm listening to Joe talk about him and. And I start looking into his history and I start looking at his jokes and I start, and I go, God damn, man, that's, that's a construct because he can make people laugh and he makes racism look foolish. Yep. And it's like, he, I would argue that he changed racial relations maybe as much as Martin Luther King. Right. Like he, he really put it out there in a way that, that white people, even racist white people, could hear yeah. and go, oh, that's some silly shit. And and even if they thought, oh, those, you know, whatever they thought later, their little kids didn't think that when right. they were laughing at that. They saw their dad laughing to a black man talking about something ridiculous, and they go, yeah, that's ridiculous too. Right. And that's a, that's amazing, you yeah. know, that's an amazing shift. And like George Carlin has done that like politically and for humanity in a huge way too. Is like they they've exposed these things and. Just to go, this is isn't this this isn't lunacy yep. that we're strangling our own throats. Yep. The more we put up a smokestack, yeah. you know, I mean, it's a beautiful thing. Those and to watch the nuances of art, I love the way that uh, Greg Jackson would put music together, and he would talk about fighting. He think everything is through the prism of fighting, right? Mm-hmm. For him. And so, if he's listening to music, he's listening to that rhythm of the beats, and he's looking at the space in between that, and he's like. That's the time when you change it up and when you can strike and attack because you've lulled them into a sense of that rhythm or right. or whatever. And so he, th- I mean, that that's the way his mind is. And he talks about comedically where the punchline drops, where the ciphers are, where the, you know, he looks at all that and he goes, oh, it's the same as like when we're moving like this. Yep. And and uh, and you look at all those all those systems are structurally the same. Yeah, you know. Timing it's, is the master of it all, it's right? All, it's, it's in everything. Editing yeah, is exactly like, the same thing. I mean, you are technically playing the film. Yeah. You know, there's always, even if the music's not playing, there's a pace, you know? If it's intense, then you tighten it down. If it's relaxed, you let it well, breathe. Well, then what music bit. you put to it. Totally. Every, I mean, I mean well, that's always the best part. It. That's Jeez. the icing on the cake. I remember the first time I saw so Top Gun, it was without, and, and they, they played it with no sound in the airplanes. I'm like, lame. Boring. And, and then they put the engine sound in, and that was kind of cool. And then they put the music, and you're like, holy shit, yeah. you know? No, yeah, it's, 50, yeah. it's a 50-50 split for sure. There's no question about it. Yeah. And since you mentioned Top Gun, and we are, we're already an hour and a half in we got to talk about some of the silly stuff and i must know about the breaking bad oh yeah you were in the final episode how what was the secrecy like did you have to sign your life away it I was mean, awesome it was the same as everything it. it was like with lone Ranger. i mean all those big promotions like marvel disney like they all are like don't even say that you auditioned for this wow like they're you know and you signed <laughs> shit like that you know and and then you get we never got full scripts, but you would when you get sides. It's like that's your name. If that gets out, it's it's watermark with you, so it'll come back to yeah. you. And uh, 
and the the thing about it is there was a theft of a script of a full script um of uh, i was in like the last five, i don't know if it was five or six episodes something like that but like by the time where there's like three left the script has been stolen and, and people Ooh. are fucking all over going and there's questions all over nobody asked me but i'm hearing rumors everywhere and and what happened is Brian uh, Cranston, he had one in his car, in his rental car or whatever car he was driving. And I think it was one of the stand-ins or one of the stand-ins friends followed him, found out where he was staying. And then eventually they broke in his car. Brian had left it in the front seat of his car, smashed his window and grabbed the fucking script. And so I don't know if that was what we saw. It never got released anywhere. Uh, but I don't know if that's what we saw or if they wrote, wrote a... But while I'm in it filming, I'm like... You're walking around to these different places. Like I wasn't privy to the whole scenes when he's in the mountains and he's taking right. a hiatus, right? Right. And uh, he's with his barrel of money and the guy that you're like, is that guy just gonna kill him and steal the money or what happens, you know? But so, but I'm on set and I'm looking at the room and his cabin and shit and I'm like, am I looking at an alternate ending here? Like, so right. you're in there and you don't even really <laughs> yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. And I remember being super tired and just walking around. We we're up late and we we're on the stages in Albuquerque and I'm walking through. Uh, you know, there's a there's a divider between here's this set and another, and, and I just walk through. There's nobody there, and I'd go and I'd roll out and stretch or whatever, and and I'm looking and it's a it's a meth lab setup, and I, I was like, oh wow, and I'm looking around, and there's the cage we'd put Jesse in and shit, and and uh, and I walk I'm walking up and and I'm just stretching, and I look down, and I'm in the aisleway, and there's stainless steel, you know, cabinetry of the meth lab and everything on either side, and I look, and it's like a yellow tape outline of a body, and I and that's when it dawned on me, I go. Oh fuck! That's like, what's right. this is the ending, yeah. you know, and and uh, that's when I had an idea of what I thought it was, but still I didn't have any idea. But it was it was rad. It was, it was how far beautiful. in front of shooting are you? Were they? Oh, we we finished up shooting. I, I believe uh, like March. So it wasn't too far. No, and and really, it's it's. I mean, it's pretty close. Like you guys have your shit together more than TV here, and that this will be the end of February. Like <laughs> it's like I just filmed a, a NCIS that'll probably be out in two weeks or something. Wow! Like, you know when we filmed like the Mindy Project, it was like that was out just I think three weeks after we filmed it. It's like TV moves so quickly, and they're just like let's wrap it up and go. And and so wow. they take like ten days to film an episode, something like that, and. Uh, and they get it in, and if they're behind schedule, they're already starting the next one. They have their time frame, and and that's dollars, you know, big big dollars. As yeah, you know the I, I don't know how it compares to TV, but I know like in film, like it can be two three hundred thousand dollars a day, you know, in right in expenditure. So yeah, those added days wow. if you if you jack around and you don't get your shit right is pretty pricey. But that also seemed like a perfectly logical progression from MMA. Then you graduated to the really vicious stuff, and you moved into Hollywood. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. That's real sharks are swimming. Yeah, yeah, dude, it's all been I don't know, and I don't like I said I don't know how it all works, but um, like I, I tell guys all the time, I'm like I would have an easier time walking you into the UFC and getting you fights there. Like I know how that works, I right? Then to do to get into the film world, or I, I heard Pauly Shore one time at the comedy store, and he goes. Any way that anybody does it is the right way. There's no, there's no rules right. about how people <laughs> yeah. get there or go away or anything, you know. And, yeah. and uh, it's a trip. You see people clamor after it and all that. But yeah, Breaking Bad, I, you know. And the fucking really cool thing. That's the other thing too. And I, I remember, like when I said, I like I'm living this life that I don't fully get to sit back and watch the sunset and appreciate mm-hmm. in a way. Like I and, and I, that's why I really try to work my meditations into every moment of being yep. where I am yep. in that moment because 
it's so grand what's happening and, and what, what it's been and, and like and regardless, man, I mean, even just being fucking free in America and I'm not fucking in horrible debt and I have all my fingers and toes and I don't have horrible, horrible brain damage. And there's so many things that could be worse. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm part of the, I don't know, 8% or something that shits in the toilet and can turn on the sink and water comes out like of the whole world. Like, right. Yeah. You know what? I'm pretty goddamn fortunate. And let alone everything else like that, that's been designed in my life by by not me, just by me showing up, trying to be helpful and useful. And, uh, and but next week, dude, uh, when I did the Breaking Bad, I didn't feel like how important it was. Like, as far as like, this is the best show on television. Right. It's ending in the best way any show has ever ended. That I do feel like that. I feel like that ended in such a gangster way. Like, the, it was awesome. Right. Made it even better with the way Dexter ended because I was like, oh, really? After all that, guys, you could have been great. Yeah. Like, nobody's remembering this except for it just smells like a dog fart. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, that that we, then I get a thing, I get an email, and I get spam sometimes. I get this old email, like, and uh, and so sometimes I get some crazy shit, dick pills or whatever, and uh, and I get this thing. Congratulations on your on your on your SAG award or whatever or something. I'm like, like that seems weird. Like, and then I get another thing, and I, and I read through this one, and I look, and it's the publicist for AMC, and I was like. It's hmm. weird that they signed it like that, and yeah. I was on this show, and so I start looking into it, and then shit's coming in on my Facebook page, and and dudes in the production are like, "Hey, congratulations!" Like the writer hit me up and shit, and I was like, "What's this?" And so I look on SAGAwards.org or whatever, and I and I find it, and we're up for the best cast, cast in a drama, right? Yeah. And uh, so then I got to figure out how to get a tuxedo and all that, and go to this <laughs> thing next weekend. <laughs> And, uh, and I'm like, how surreal is that? Like, nice. that's crazy. Nice. nice so, yeah, yeah. Nice. It's a, it's, uh, that, that, yeah, that happens next weekend. And, and I don't know. Like, I, I really don't know how it works. It's like, it's just. Just find out where your seat is and yeah. sit and smile. I yeah. had one. Um, we did a movie about Darfur that uh-huh. nobody paid any attention to. But we got uh, nominated for Eddie Award for Best Documentary. Rad. And the next thing you know, my wife and I are hanging out with our competition, which was Sicko. So it's me and Michael Moore chatting it up. And it's just one of those so crazy rad. moments. I cannot believe I'm where I'm at right now. Yeah. And you're right. You got to enjoy the sunshine at that moment. Because yeah. I think it's funny. The two things I've learned about the podcasting is people are desperate for conversation. Yeah. And even though they don't get to participate in our conversation, they're welcome. They're a welcome additional yeah. member. They are technically in the room with us, you know? Yep, exactly. And the other thing is... That's what I appreciate about it. If I'm driving somewhere or something, yeah. and, and uh, I, I have the opportunity to just put on my earphones or whatever if I'm in a plane, and it's like, mm-hmm. God, man, it's like I'm with you guys. Yeah, you, know, right. you guys no are just commercials. talking to whoever. I'm like, this is great, right. man. And that the golden rule shows up over and over again that how what an amazing planet we would have if we literally followed do unto others. Yeah. It was, it's that easy. Yeah. You know, take care, pay it forward. I don't care what you call it. It's not a difficult solution. It's getting people to participate in the solution. Well, it's seeing that that's where the merit is. You know, I mean, like I said about the via negativa, like the going down a negative path is mm-hmm. the is is the same. I would do it if there was fruit in it, right? I like, but there's zero goodness in that, even. Though it seems logically that it should be the right thing to do, right? You know, this guy told me one time. He's like, "You miss out on the universal law of reciprocation." I go, "I don't know what the fuck you just said to me," and uh, and 
And he goes, well, you know what reciprocation is? And I go, yeah, like I give you an apple, you give me an orange or whatever, you know, like there's a balancing, right? Right. right. And he goes, most people live on the assumption that, hey, once I get mine, I get my million dollars, then I'm going to help out some kids in Africa or whatever. And he said, and that's, that's a non-existent function of the universe. It does not ever happen nor work. There's no function or performance mm-hmm. to that idea. He said, what happens is you already noticed all the gifts you have and you give that. And, and there is where you grow. And that's where that's where the love is. That's where that's where the fruit is. Tate is in that, and uh, and just even little stuff. And people like I used to go, well, what do I, I don't. I've got fuck all. What do I? You know what? And he goes, can you remember this guy's name that you see every week? Yeah. How good does it feel when somebody remembers your name, Tate? And you go up and you see this guy that's fucking homeless that's outside the store, and you're like, hey, what's up, George? Good to see you again today, right? Or whatever. You just dynamically changed a human's universe because we all at our worst, go through life feeling like we don't matter and we're insignificant and we're alone. Yep. And if you can fucking change that for people throughout your day and you don't, then shame on you. Yep. And he's like, and, and there it was, just that little bit. And I was like, that's the shift I need because that's something I can do. I can be conscious of that. And like I, my, my, my religious friends are, I'll use the term a lot too, like Carl Jung would talk about it, of a God consciousness. And uh, I just thought, man, what does that mean? You know, people talk about the import of it, and I don't get it. And and somebody's like, it's literally being conscious of God, being conscious of of a greater good, being conscious of of every moment that you have, and not looking at the scarcity of that moment. Like, fuck, I got to get in front of this guy to get in, or right. I can't let this guy in in traffic or whatever. How about instead of that, you go, I'm going to let this guy go in and make his life yep. a little easier. And then you feel good. Like that's a win-win. And yeah, it's like, that happens everywhere when I'm conscious, but I live life reactively. And so that's my fight is to get back into being, how can I be proactively good instead of, because when I'm reactive, I'm fear-based, you know? And that's where to me, the warrior aspect of it all comes in because everybody who got hurt will then get meaner most of the time it's like i got screwed over well screw you next time i'm gonna do this and take advantage of whatever so to me real warrior stuff is building that tolerance to getting hurt building the greg jackson becoming comfortable where other men are uncomfortable because that's what's going to give you the choice when life is not kind to have a choice to still be kind yep. to other people, to anyone you meet. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't mean it's all bullshit. It goes back to what we were saying before, too. It's like all that stuff that you see. It's so funny when you get to see people's inner selves on Facebook. And they're like, fuck, man, the way this. And like, I don't think anybody's going to be signing up to date you just the way your <laughs> Facebook page reads, honey. I don't know. But, but, but the thing is, is like it goes back to that of going, it's not all bullshit. It doesn't no. mean it's all bullshit being loving because I got my knees skinned. Mm-hmm. And, and the other thing is, is that I need my knees skin to grow. And then the other thing is the things that didn't work out turned into my greatest allies. Yep. And if all that shit is true, which I believe it is, then there is no hurt. Right. Because that's temporary in that certain time frame because I'm so egocentric that I don't have a broader scope and go, oh, this is, and I have to have that in my belief system. Mm-hmm. It's all working for good in one way as long as I'm being loving externally. Yep. Like that's it. You're a poet, man. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Want to tell us about your, uh, just for people to find your podcast, sure. where can they find it? Yeah, uh, we're pi- uh, Pirate Life with Tate Fletcher. You search me on iTunes. We're on Stitcher also. Uh, you can find me there. 
there's links to it on tategfletcher.com. Um, you can find out more about what me, Keith, and Lacey are up to on cavemancoffeeco.com. You can find me on uh, Instagram and uh, Twitter at Tatumus Maximus. Um, and that's it. Beautiful. Yeah. That's, awesome. You guys have your homework ready for you. <laughs> it's a pleasure, man. Yeah. Thanks so Thanks, much for stopping awesome. by. You guys have been so wonderful to meet with me. Thank you. It's awesome fun. Yeah. another tough interview having to drag answers out of a guy three and four syllable answers just i know man it's a tough one and and very disagreeable and honorary and yeah no he's great it's uh wow some of these interviews are funny because he's like talking to another side of yourself where he's like yeah i said that exact same thing oh but you also said the one that i'm gonna say next and it's like it's it's funny but it went really well i thought that guy was great yeah loved him um uh, let's say a couple more thank you thank you to our affiliates coracao chocolate who just sent me an email so let's see what mr daniel carson from coracao says he said that thank because of many of you guys have been asking for it uh due to podcast listener request they are going to start doing international shipping so not just us anymore but they are going to go europe australia canada vietnam so if you guys are out there and you still want to order that's a way to go awesome they're also going to change the name of their company to something easier to say and spell and are offering 500 bucks of worth of chocolate to anybody who submits a name that they end up using excellent and i'll put the link to this survey in the episode notes so there's that so thank you guys and so if you guys are in the market for chocolate we'll put the link in the episode notes either you can win it if you end up providing the winning name or you can order it from their website also audible.com um audible leading provider in audiobooks and related material if you guys assign through the drunken taoist link you get a free month essentially and if you guys uh, decide not to like it after a month you can always cancel never pay a dime and get a free book and if you decide to keep it you get one new book each month uh, our amazon link it would be awesome if you guys can use it when you shop on amazon many of you guys already do and we thank you deeply for it and uh, t-shirts of course our own t-shirts if uh, you're interested in uh, in our shirts shoot me an email it's in the episode notes and i'll make sure to set up that we have your size and color and all the good stuff before i mail it out thank you to daisy house for the music and uh what's the status on kiva.org uh as we sit uh early in january um four thousand dollars worth of loans up guys nice that's awesome. pretty damn impressive so i think our target of getting to 10 grand before the year end is uh easily attainable so if you want to check it out kiva.org um they're not doing the free loans right now that generally goes away during the holiday season but once everybody gets their cards cashed in probably about february uh, those will come back and as soon as they do if you want to contact me i'll happily pass it along for you so you can get a test loan or you can just get you $25 out and go for it uh, either way you're helping out somebody in the world uh, that might not have this opportunity without it so it uh, just falls nice especially with our conversation with Tate man yeah. I'm sure he would be down with what this is doing to help folks out that you know need a hand up most definitely sound like it uh, in the donation department I'm not screwing up anybody's name because we are recording back-to-back episodes so we have 
none for this episode but on that note anything else we want to add i think that's it thank you tate fletcher indeed and for the rest of you guys have a beautiful day And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as soon as they come out. You can keep track of Daniel at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at Richimon1. That's R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N, the numeral one. See y'all soon. Duncan showed you the way, yeah? Oh, man, isn't that scary to think? Nice. This was great. It's fucking awesome. Get back to work.